Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Yeah. 
receive a morning offering, please, at this time. Brother Mike Hearn, will you lead our prayer? stand as we continue to worship.
so much choir and our musicians thank you as always for being led by the spirit as we worship together in the spirit now I must confess to you that as the choir gathered for practice this morning they did try to recruit me which lets me know that our music minister has heard my singing from the first row and recognized my talents. But I was afraid that the other men in the choir would just really feel down if they had to hear me sing beside them, so I decided not to. But uh, I think you guys pulled it out without me. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. And this morning... As we gather to worship, we're going to be in one of the most often written about, most often preached chapters in all of the, in all of the Bible. Uh, I said before when preaching a text in Romans chapter 8 uh, that many theologians have said this particular chapter is, is the richest text contained in all of the Holy Writ of Scripture. And we're going to be in one of my very favorite sections of this great chapter, because in this section of this great chapter, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And my friends, if there ever becomes a subject that we want to talk about more than the Holy Spirit of God, then we need to find ourselves something different to do on Sunday mornings. 
Because as a bunch of blood-bought believers, the Holy Spirit of God ought to be something that we want to talk about. It ought to be something we want to think about. And it ought to be something that we want to look at. And this morning we're going to look at the groaning of the Holy Spirit and how the groaning is for His glory. Now please stand if you're able in the house this morning for the reading of the holy words of our holy God from Romans chapter 8 verses 26 through 28. And likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Let us pray. God our Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the opportunity to gather and worship your name. We're thankful for the songs we were able to sing, God. And glorify your name through music. And God, now as we continue to worship through the opening and the reading and the teaching of your word, God, I pray that we would glorify you in these moments. God, I pray if there be any devil or any demon in the house this morning that might hinder our minds or cloud our vision of you, that you would escort those thoughts right out the front door and allow us to worship you because you alone are worthy of that worship. Nothing else is worthy of our attention. Nothing else is worthy to be magnified but you and you alone, Father. So God, let us do that in the next few moments together. For it is in your precious name that we pray. As all God's children said, amen and you may be seated. Now, this great chapter of the Bible, and I'm going to tell you why I think it's it's so great. Now listen, I, I understand. The entire Bible is great. If you looked at the bookends of the entire Bible, you would find that in the beginning God and in the end God. And you would find that everything in the, in the middle weaved a picture of how God created everything. He created us. We fell from grace. We should have been doomed for hell, but he provided a salvation. In the end, it talks about how we're going to be present with the Father. So the bookends of the entire Bible tell us that the part in the middle is going to be real good. But if you look at, at chapter 8 of the book of Romans, you're going to find that, that the bookends of chapter 8 are pretty good too. If you looked at verse 1, you would find out that Paul introduces chapter 8... Uh, of Romans in verse 1 by saying there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That means that we're no longer condemned because of what we've done and how we were born and all the things that we failed in and all the things we haven't done and all of that. We are no longer condemned by our sin. Now that's a pretty good start but then if you look to the end, you look to the last couple of verses of Romans chapter 8, you'll find that not only in the beginning there's therefore now no condemnation. In the end you find out that there is a promise that there's neither death nor life, no angels, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, no created thing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, my friends, if that don't get you excited, you need to check your pulse. Because, my friends, to think of the fact that there is no condemnation anymore and that there is no separation evermore gets me tore up just a little bit. And if that don't get your ticker ticking and butter your bread, check something. Because you ought not be here this morning. You ought to get saved first. 
We should be excited when we look at chapter 8 of the book of Romans. But as Paul weaves this theological masterpiece in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, he, he starts with no condemnation. Again, remember, he's moving to no separation. These are the things that are being established. We're no longer condemned if we're in Jesus, and we will never be condemned if we're in Jesus. And that's what the crux of the entire chapter is talking about. But Paul spends a little time along the way focusing on some other things. He spends some time explaining to us that we, if we are believers, have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. That resurrection power. We have that flowing in our bloods. We have that same spirit. He, he tells us some really good news. Now I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but if you are a blood-bought child of God, you ought to know that the best news in the world comes in Romans chapter 8 when he tells you that you've got a new daddy. And he's a perfect daddy. And he's a holy daddy. And you've been adopted as the son of the true and living God. And, 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 and Paul says, you ought not fear because you belong to the one that thought it all into existence and breathed it all into time. But then Paul stops. And he spends some time talking about our sufferings. And he uses a word when he talks about our sufferings. He says that there are groanings. Groanings. That word groanings literally means the sigh that is brought on by great circumstance or intense pressure. Think about that. Let that sink in. You ever had one of those moments where the intense pressure and the circumstances were so great that this was all you could say? That's that word, groanings. An intense pressure. And Paul says that all of creation is groaning because of sin. Why is creation groaning? Because creation was created to glorify God. And because of sin, the entire creation is not glorifying God in the way that it ought to be. And then Paul says, all of mankind, well, all of mankind is groaning. Why? Because all of mankind was created to display the glory of God in his creation. And because of sin, we're not living up to what we were made to do as a people. And so that brings us to our first point this morning. What are the reasons for the groaning? Of the Holy Spirit. Now we said this curse on all creation as a result of sin. It's got creation groaning. It's got mankind groaning as a result. But in verse 27, I want you to look with me just for a second in verse 27. Because it says, well excuse me, look at the end of verse 26 and the end of verse 27. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with what? Groanings. 
that cannot be uttered. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So we're going to see in verse 27 that, that the Holy Spirit groans until the curse is removed. But in verse 26 it says that that Spirit is groaning in our weakness. My friend, I want you to think about that for just a moment. Mankind is groaning because it longs to glorify God the way that it was made to. Creation is groaning because it longs to glorify God in the way it was created. But my friend, even the Holy Spirit is groaning on behalf because of all of the creation that is failing to do what it was created to do because of the magnitude of the curse of sin on this world. And so what is so important about the Spirit's groaning that we need to take a minute to look at this morning? Now I want you to think about this because it's important that you understand this. Creation can groan and groan and groan. And mankind, we can groan and groan and groan. And what will any of that do to reconcile any of us to a holy God? Nothing. All of the groaning of creation and all of the groaning of mankind will do nothing to make us right with God. But then Paul introduces here in verse 26 the groaning of the one part that matters, and that is the groaning of the Holy Spirit. The reason that the Spirit is groaning is because of the curse of sin on this creation. And there's nothing that we can do about it. That's our weakness. When Paul writes about our weakness, that's what he's talking about. There's nothing we can do about our curse of sin. In fact, we're so weak that it says we don't even know how to pray in a way that matters. We don't even know how to pray in such a way that we could do anything about our curse of sin. There's no solution that we can bring to our sin problem. But bless God, there is one present in this groaning of chapter 8 that can do something about it. And that is the groaning of the Spirit. And that takes us into our second point this morning. There are results of the groanings. Think about this. Our situation is we're lost in our sin. We don't even have a prayer that we can pray to get us out of our sin. But at the end of verse 26, bless God, it says that when we don't know what to pray, something happens for us. The Spirit Himself does what? He makes intercession for us. He goes to the Father for us. He, he says the things for us that matter. So when we don't know what to say, there's nothing we can say. We have a weakness. We have a sin situation. We're hell bound, hell due, and hell earned, and there's not a thing we can do about it. But the Spirit of God speaks on our behalf. Our groanings equal nothing. But when the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf, that means something. As a matter of fact, if you look forward to verse 28, it's going to say that it means that he's working all things together for our good. Now, I want you to think about that with me. Then we'll give you a little glimpse forward. Remember, we're working to get to the end of chapter 8, where nothing separates us from the love of God. And, and, and in verse 30, we're going to stop off in a very important place called the justification and glorification of all of creation. Now what that means. Let me sum it up for you. 
is that we have a sin problem that we can't even pray about, but the Spirit hears our groaning, sees our sin problem, groans upon our behalf, and we get saved. That's what that justification and glorification is in verse 30. We get saved. Any of you that are here this morning that have ever uttered a prayer unto your father and you said, God, uh, please save me. I I believe that you died for me. I want to be washed in your blood. I want to follow you all the days of my life. That is a result not of your ability to pray a beautiful prayer, but of your ability to be sensitive to the Spirit's call on your life and allow him to intercede on your behalf. It wasn't anything special you prayed. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come to my office and they say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want you to pray a prayer with me. I didn't know what prayer to pray. And every single time I look them in the eye and I say, that's okay. The Spirit has already prayed on your behalf. Whatever we say here isn't nearly as important as what you've already done. But more importantly of what He's already done. And isn't that a perfect example of things working out for good of those who love him? Because a lot of times that verse, boy, it's it's used for a lot of things. A lot of prosperity. A lot of prosperity preachers out there will will stand up and tell you, just look at Romans 8, you know, 28, and and listen, good stuff's going to happen if you're a believer. Don't know why that bad stuff is happening in your life. You must not be believing hard enough. My friends, can I tell you something? Romans 8, 28, it ain't got nothing to do with whether or not the cows come home or you got a big bank account or your truck's broke down. It's got to do with an eternal glorification of God. And the fact that if you are a believer, there is what? There's no condemnation and there's no separation. That means that the circumstances of this present world mean nothing. In fact... Paul's going to write, we're going to look at in a minute, but we might as well just just get there for a second. He's going to say that the glory coming makes this suffering here look silly. No matter what you're going through, it makes this suffering here mean absolutely nothing. But I do want to stop here. Because I believe there's some things that go hand in hand with these verses. I do believe with all my heart the primary interpretation of this text is that we have a burden of sin and we can't do anything about it. And that the Spirit groans on our behalf and says the words that we are incapable of saying on our behalf. He intercedes with God and that's where we get saved. And I believe with all my heart that's the tone and the tenor of Romans chapter 8. However, I do believe that we can draw some other application from this text. And it be equally as proper uh, to use here. If you look back at verse 18, you'll see that Paul introduces this section as he talks about the suffering of the present time. He begins to deal with the fact that as believers we're going to suffer. I believe that Paul stopped there because he realized the very same thing that you and I have begun to realize as we go through this life as a believer. That sometimes, even as believers, stuff happens. Can anybody testify this morning that sometimes stuff happens? And when it happens, it hurts even if you're a child of God. 
And when it happens, you question the very God that you believe in. Now, most of you won't raise your hand with that one because we're in a holy and sanctimonious place. But let me just tell you that your pastor is not too proud to let you know that there have been times in my life since I got saved, knowing good and well that I was blood-bought, signed, sealed, delivered. I was his. I belonged to him, believing every word of the Bible that things happened, that I looked around and said, why, God, why? And I'm not too proud to admit to you that I've done that. And in those moments, my friends, I thank God for these verses because I believe that they're every bit as true today as they were then when Paul wrote them. He said, the suffering that you are currently enduring pales in comparison to the glory that is coming. And that means this, that this world is somewhere I'm just passing through. And all the circumstances and all of the things that I endure while I'm on this world mean nothing compared to the glory that is going to be revealed in my future time when I'm present with my Father. So while I believe the overarching idea is salvation from the burden of sin, I do believe that sometimes there are going to be situations in our lives where the suffering is so great where the circumstances are so pressured and so overwhelming that all we'll have is a groan. Some of you may be there now. In fact, if you look at that where it said groanings which cannot be uttered, I love this. I already told you what groanings was. But that that next set of words that cannot be uttered, some of your translations will say words unexplicable. It's literally a phrase that means the pain is too deep to express. And I thought about that and how it, how it kind of fits in there. And how many times have you been in a situation in your life where the circumstances were so overwhelming and the pressure was so great that when you opened your mouth, you could not express with words what your heart was enduring. And that's what's going on right here as Paul is writing this. But my friends, I have good news for you. In that season of your life, do you know what a sufficient prayer is for you? That was good enough because the Holy Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. And remember, not only is there no condemnation, but there's no separation. So even in that season, we're not separated from the Father's love. And the Holy Spirit is still there to comfort us. So the pain that we endure, the suffering that we see on this earth are nothing compared to the coming glory of heaven. I like to fast forward. Now, some of you know this already. Those of you that don't, you're going to learn this. I think I have a condition that's called ADHD, DDHD. And that means I struggle to focus sometimes on little stuff for very long at a time. And so when I read a book, all of you book nerds out there, you're going to you're going to think I'm awful, but I love to read. I read, 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 read. But a lot of times when I read a book, I'll read the first chapter and I'll read the last chapter, and I'll decide how much of the middle that I really want to read based on that. I did that with the Bible, too. And 
I like the first and last chapter, so I'm glad I read the rest. But can I just tell you that, that that last little bit, that last book of the Bible, Revelation, has got one of my very favorite verses in all of Scripture. For anybody that's enduring anything, it's in Revelation chapter 21. You don't have to turn there, but most of you will know it. Because in Revelation verse 21, chapter 21 and verse 4, John writes something. It says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain because the former things have passed away. Now, I'm not overly intelligent, but I do know if the former things have gone that there's new things that are coming. Because if there weren't new things coming, John would have just said for things passed away. But he called them former things, which lets me know that there's things that are coming. And I think that's what Paul is writing about when he talks about a future glory. He says this, listen, whatever circumstance you're dealing with right now, if it's death, that's okay, there won't be no more of that. If it's sorrow, that's okay, there won't be no more of that. If it's crying, that's okay, dry those tears, God's going to wipe them away from your eyes. If it's pain, that's okay, that's going to be gone uh, for all of the what, all of the former things. So that means everything of this life will pass away and everything of the new life is going to be so much better than anything we had here in the first place. So if you're in a season that is beautiful and wonderful and smiles and roses, that's okay. It's going to pass away and the next season's going to be even better. But if you're in a season that is agonizing and painful, that's okay. It's going to pass away and the future season is going to be that much better. Now I don't know about the rest of you, but that gives me some awfully good feelings on the inside no matter what I'm going through to know that my future glory is far superior than my current suffering and there's a last thought this morning I want to look at real quickly and that is the redemption of his groaning the spirit groans we get saved and and in these verses it says we become saints and we become those who are called according to his purpose can I just tell you something, church? When creation fell from glory and sin entered into this world, God was not caught off guard. It's not like that God was sitting there seeing creation fall from glory and went, oh man, what are we going to do now? Son, spirit, what do you think we should do about this? No, Jesus was always the plan for redemption. The Holy Spirit was always the plan for the comfort and the conviction. That was always put into place. And that means this, that the Spirit was always planned to intercede on our behalf to our holy God. God wasn't caught off guard. We were not saved by some happenstance. We were not saved by some circumstance. It wasn't something that just randomly happened in the cosmos. It was, if you are saved, my friend, you are saved according to the purpose. That purpose was what? Jesus Christ was going to be the way, the truth, and the life that you were to be reconciled with the Father. There was a plan that was carried out perfectly. And the question is this. What will we do with this Jesus? What will we do with this Jesus? Right? We already understand. I don't think that there's anybody that lives in this world 
who would say that there's not a problem with sin and separation from our holy God. Now, there are people that might say God's not real, but they're still groaning to glorify him too. But there's a holy God that created us, and there's an unholy sin that's, that separated us. And there's a perfect sacrifice that propitiated us or paid our debt. Let's say it that way. And so the question is, what will you do with this Jesus? Because the groaning ends in only two ways. We can groan on our own behalf, die in our sin, and go groan some more in hell. Or, or we can receive the groaning of the Holy Spirit, receive the grace and mercy that we don't deserve, and enjoy an eternity in the presence of the Father. And so what do we do with this message this morning? Well, for some of you, you're in a season of suffering or groaning. When I, when I talked about groaning and I talked about suffering, boy, you jumped right on that. I've been crying. I've been in sorrow. I've been struggling. There's this, there's this, whatever it is. Will you find your way to the altar this morning and leave it here? Leave it here with Christ. So I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to pray. That's okay. Just come down here and... And get down low and, and put your feet down and put your head down. And let the Holy Spirit intercede on your behalf. But some of you here are dealing with the fact that you know deep down that if this was your last moment on this earth, you have no idea where you'd spend eternity. You hope it might be heaven, but you're certainly not sure. Would you come this morning and allow the Spirit to groan on your behalf? Be free from your burden of sin. Because there is no confusion in a saving God. So would you accept what he's already done for you this morning? Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you this morning. Thankful for another opportunity to be here in your house and in the presence of your spirit. But God, we come to you, a people that are broken. We're broken because of sin. We're broken because of our decisions. We're broken because of the decisions of others. God, your word says that whatever suffering that we endure now, it pales in comparison to the glory that is to be revealed in us if we are your children. So God, for any of your children here this morning, enduring a season of suffering, God, would you give them the conviction, the strength to lay those burdens at your feet and allow the Holy Spirit to groan on their behalf. And God, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know that they're a blood-bought child of God, would you give them the courage and the conviction this morning to come and say, I want to be saved. I want to follow Jesus. And it's in your precious name that we pray, God. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.